So Money episode 323, year end review, how to start your own business. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 70 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor and even video backgrounds. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Hope you're enjoying this year-end review as much as I have. It's nice to go back down memory lane and hear all the great insights and advice that guests have shared with us on this show all year long. Today's theme is starting your own business. I know many of you are interested in this because I've asked, what's on your 2016 agenda, financially speaking, career-wise? And many of you are interested in becoming your own boss. So this one's for you. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, you know I frequently interview entrepreneurs who've done some pretty amazing things with little, you know, with very few resources. I often get the question on Ask Farnoosh saying, hey, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be my own boss. How do I come up with the idea? Just the basics, the first step. So in this episode, we're going to hear from a few people, uh, starting with Gerard Adams. He's the co-founder of a website called Elite Daily, which he sold for $50 million. He's a self-described college dropout turned serial entrepreneur. So let's go back to the moment, the somewhat frightening moment that ended up giving him the courage to launch his own company. So did you leave college with the idea of Elite Daily or was there something else that motivated you? What was the the big idea that was going to carry you out of college and hopefully be your first venture? It, you know, I really was interested. So Elite kind of came a little bit um, down the road. Uh, you know, my first idea was around the stock market. I was really interested, you know, just growing up. I, you know, my father worked for Prudential. My mother worked for uh, a supermarket, AMP. Um, they both taught me so much. I owe a lot to them. I mean, just work ethic in general, seeing them work six, seven days a week, um, nonstop to provide for me, my sisters, like instilled work ethic in me at a young age, leadership, my father just instilled leadership in me as well. Um, my, seeing my mother work as much as she did, I, I just always wanted to, you know, be become successful so I can give back to them, take care of them. And um, when I was growing up, though, my father used to want me to write down what the stock was for Prudential when I got home from school. So I got a very young age, 
the first thing that really sparked my interest was, was Wall Street and the stock market. So when I took that risk and jumped out of college, I really wanted to learn, how do I learn how to invest into this like matrix of, like, of, this, like, of Wall Street and what is, what is the stock market? And that was the first thing that sparked uh, my interest. So I decided to start a forum for stock traders that were also uh, looking for a place to learn from other traders and investors within the stock market. And I saw that there was a niche where all the different chat rooms or forums that were coming at that time never had a form of credibility, never had like a rating system. So I said, why don't I just create something that has a rating system similar to eBay, but for each member based upon how good you were as a trader. And that kind of gave you, you know, a little bit of a, a rating to learn from who are really, you know, actual, the actual gurus that know how to invest into the stock market. And that was my first initial idea. And how did it do? It actually, that was, that started it all for me. I became so passionate about investing, so passionate about the stock market. Um, and I, I was able to quickly learn, you know, I quickly started off with only a thousand dollars, you know, but I was just so passionate. It was nonstop asking questions. I was able to, I was working all hours till three in the morning, promoting the website and eventually getting 10,000 people to sign up. And, um, and it taught me a lot about investing. I, I started learning from the peers on the site and then eventually I got a phone call, you know, within the first year from a CEO out of New Jersey. He was running a nanotechnology company called Emphase Technologies. And he was like, I want to advertise with you. And I was like, oh my God, I can turn this into a business? Like advertise, you know, you know, I, I didn't know. I was, I was super excited. But then when he realized, he was like, I don't think you understand the value of what you created. How old are you? I want to meet you. I was at, based out of New Jersey myself. So I went and met with him. His name was Ron Durando. He became one of my first real mentors. And he basically, when he met me and he saw how young I was, he was like, I think you're doing something really cool, you know, pioneering something with dig digital media and content that can help also get small cap companies, public companies exposure. And he's like, I'm going to teach you what investor relations is. And he offered me a job. And that's when I called home. I was like, this is all working. My site's doing well. Like, I, I just got an offer. And, the, and I actually took a position of being the director of investor relations for his company if he allowed me to build my company while being there. And that was my first experience with failure. And what happened was interesting. I ended up building his company. I, I, again, I was so passionate. He was actually reinventing the battery, which even till today, I'm so... It, I'm so interested in I'm understanding why technology is all evolving so quickly, yet we're still charging our iPhones two to three times a day. It's like, why, why are, you know, why isn't battery technology uh, evolving as quickly? So he, what he was doing is he created a patented wafer using a, a nanotechnology to separate the electrodes and the electrolytes, which are two liquids that um, once he turned a device on and it allowed those liquids to mix through that nanostructure he basically was creating a infinite shelf life battery known as the nano battery. And I was helping build his website, doing video marketing, writing his press releases, doing everything for him the whole first year. He ended up getting 18,000 shareholders, which was the largest shareholder base, shareholder base at any small cap company. And I learned a ton being there. Um, and eventually one day I called him up with it towards the end of my first year. And I said, I think we should do the first ever live demonstration of the nano battery. There's everybody's excited about what, what's going on here. So he was like, let's do it. You handle everything. So I handled, you know, the invitation list, wrote the press releases, got PR on it. I filled up a room in New York, you know, over a hundred investment bankers, brokers, you know, retail investors in that room. 
and got up there. I was super nervous, introduced the chief scientist officer, introduced and, and, and told, you know, everybody, you know, that I was uh, when we were speaking to them on the phone. I believed in the company. Dr. Fred Allen was the chief scientist officer. He came up and went to demonstrate this nano battery. I'm getting so nervous. He's getting he's got two screens up. He unveils the nano battery. And when I mean, he hits a button, it's showing that the battery is not, not using any energy. And then when he hits the button and turns the device on, it, you know, it boom, it, it shows energy is being used. You know, it shows on the screens, a light bulb lights. And there you go. Proves the concept of this nano battery. And let me tell you, when he hits this button, when it, if, if or when this thing turns on, he's going to raise tens of millions of dollars. MFAs is about to raise, this is the biggest moment of the company's, you know, of the company. When he hits that button, you're going to raise tens of millions of dollars to take it into mass production. So he hits that button and it doesn't work. And oh my God. I was devastated. I thought my career was over. Um, I had then dedicated so much and I've seen it work, right? He was partnered with Lucent Bell Labs. I was working with him. I've seen it work. It just was a management issue where they just didn't test it. They didn't, they didn't do their job to prepare. And I was devastated. And that was my first experience with failure. But I took that, learned from that. And that's what led me into my, my next company, which is, led eventually to Elite Daily. <laughs> well, at least, you know what? You were in a really great position in some ways. You're in front of a room full of investors. So that probably was uh, laying the seeds, planting the seeds for future relationships, future network. I mean, clearly this wasn't your fault. Um, you were able to show your strengths and that you were able to bring this room together of impressive people. You had helped build this company up. Too bad they just couldn't deliver. Oh, what a learning lesson for you. My yeah. goodness. So, so how did you know, Elite Daily journey, I mean, evolve from, from this? That day, I mean, you, you know, went from like batteries to a website that's catering cards, to millennials and news. Like, hey, kid, you got me in this room. I'm pretty surprised. Here's my card. You know, and people recognize how I was able to really get the attention that I did on the company. It was really a management issue. So it led me to wanting to continue to do that for other innovative companies. And so I, at this time, I was only like, 20, 20 years old, 21 years old around that time. So I decided to start an agency to cater to small cap public companies, marketing them. And I built, and I ended up building a very successful agency. Um, we did about 10 million in revenue by the time I was 24 and I was flying all over the country, meeting all these great, you know, innovative companies. Um, and then 2008 happened. So the, I saw the crash coming. So the market crashes, my, my business completely changes. And at that point in time, I was like, wow, I need to start investing into my own companies. And I kind of was really paying attention to the economy at that, at that point. So I started getting into more, how can I utilize my abilities to uh, build content? And, um, I decided to start doing some documentaries and I did some documentaries on the economy. And then I started investing into commodities and then I had an intern who was working for me at the time who got really interested in the content that I was creating and the, he had an idea. He came to me and said, I want to start a website um, called, it actually started off being more tailored towards finance. It was actually Lee Walsh. It was the first name that was thrown out. And then we were like, wait a second. Right now, whenever we go online and get the news that we're looking for, um, for our generation, it's you know, there's nothing that's mass market. And we started, you know, thinking about an idea of, well, why don't we, why, why would we tailor ourselves to just finance? We should build something that's, you know, that's all verticals. Like, you know, all these publications were handed down to us. And a lot of the, 
you know, the millennial websites that were existing at the time were very niche based. They were very much, you know, college based or humor based or entertainment based sports. You know, it was nothing that was like a Huffington post for generation Y. And we saw an opportunity there and, um, and then we just started attacking it. We, we immediately said we came up with the name elite daily. Um, luckily it was available. We bought it for nine 99 and we just were so passionate about the idea. We started having fun with it. We started in my apartment and we just every day, you know, just worked at it tirelessly, just having fun and passionately about, and, and that was the beginning of Elite Daily. A somewhat scary story, but a happy ending. You know, the day before this interview went live with Gerard, I ran into him at a book party in New York, never met the guy, just had seen his headshots. And I thought to myself, that guy looks really familiar. And sure enough, it was Gerard. And so there you go. New York City is a small world, 8 million people small. And you can go to Instagram for the funny picture that we took of each other that night. There were no adult beverages involved, I promise. We were just purely happy to see each other. Now, another guest that has an impressive entrepreneurial spirit that's been on the show is Hannah Wiemet. She was featured during our So Money Millennial Week, in fact, because of the impressive business that she's been running all while in college. Hannah operates a six-figure business reselling clothes and jewelry on the fashion website Poshmark, and she's figured all this out at just 23 years old. Here's her financial advice for entrepreneurs. So, you know, in your young uh, 23 years of life, um, what would you say so far is your financial philosophy on things as an entrepreneur? Um, so I think as an entrepreneur, my, what I would say is really know your costs versus your, um, sale prices. And in the beginning when I was selling things, I just, as long as I was making a sale, I didn't really care how much of a profit it was. It could have been literally like a $5 profit and I would have been excited about it. But now that it's really an actual business for me, I really am paying attention to how much things cost and if it's actually worth it to sell it for what profit I would be able to make on it. Yeah. So a question about that, how do you spot a quote unquote steal for you? Whereas you're going, I understand now you are actually going to look for things that you can resell. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not just going into your closet now and selling things. You're actually out there looking for the must haves that are a lower cost to you than you can, and you can sell it at a premium. Where do you find these things? And what is the profit margin that you think is worth it to in, in order for you to, to buy something and, and resell it? Um, well, so now I have my business license, which means that I can buy things wholesale. Um, so I go into New York City or I buy things from people in LA and um, go to some of the trade shows just to check things out and find how do you vendors. Get, how, wait, how do you get this business license? Um, I, I applied for it on the New Jersey... There, on I had to Google it. It was... Um, on a New Jersey website where you have to apply for a business license and give them all of your information. And do you have to be in fashion or show that you have a track record? Um, no, I think it was just if I wanted to start a business. So I think Hmm. it was, you had to say what kind of business it was going to be and things like that. But, um, it was how you got your actual business license to be able to buy things wholesale and okay. have to keep track of I'm things. I'm writing that taxes. down. Yeah. I don't think I would qualify, but there are probably a lot of people out there that didn't really, they do that. Apply for a business license to, yeah. to buy products at wholesale. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I started only doing selling jewelry because I figured it would be easy. The only things that people have to pay attention for sizes are rings, but things like bracelets pretty much will fit anybody um, unless you've got a 
certain size wrist or or neck. And so, um, jewelry prices. So I started, uh, really selling stuff from this one, um, wholesaler that I found in New York city. Um, and so their jewelry costs between, I'd say maybe three to $10 for what I buy. Um, and then my profits on things are probably between 10 and $15 each, but it's just at the volume that I'm selling them at the profits totally worth it for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, um, beware of the, the, the profit margin essentially, because then it's, when it's a business, it's like your time matters and, um, you know, you don't want to just be sell. It's no longer just the thrill of getting something sold. You actually want to be making a good money. Now, what was I doing at 23? I'll tell you, not running a business. I was in grad school. I think I was interning at CNN. I was transcribing interviews, sprucing up my typing skills and getting my boss her hourly diet cokes. So that's, that was my life at 23. And I, I think it's so interesting to hear how entrepreneurs get their start. You know, and Hannah, if you listen to the whole episode, she talks about how her business started from kind of a mistake. She bought this poncho <laughs> that she immediately regretted and couldn't return it for some reason. So she went on Poshmark, sold it relatively quickly and got inspired and encouraged to continue selling and then learned what Poshmark users typically like to buy, how to describe things. And so she became this expert and clearly making tons and tons of money. Another guest I had on the show this year, we're going to transition now to our next excerpt. He won a very, very big contest. You might've heard of it. He is the winner of the very first season of The Apprentice. That's right. Bill Rancic came by so many earlier this year and shared how winning that show changed his life. So what was your number one money memory? I know you, you talk in your bio about having started businesses at a young age, one with like your grandmother. And so what would you say was a very pivotal financial experience for you growing up as a kid? Well, I think one of the defining moments for me was when I was in college and me and my buddy Jerry started a small business. It was we were washing and waxing boats in the summers in a town called New Buffalo, Michigan. Now, we didn't make a lot of money doing it, but what it did for me was it changed my perspective on entrepreneurs. You see, I grew up and my parents were educators. So the people that they surrounded themselves around were other educators. So as a kid, the only adults I really had any contact with were teachers and principals and and superintendents of schools, things like that. I started that boat business and I met all these wealthy business owners and I took care of their boats and they trusted me and my buddy to to take care of their, you know, three, four, five million dollar boats. And I got to know them and I got to meet them. And I realized, wait a minute, they're no different than me. If this guy can do it, I can do it. I learned about work ethic and sacrifice and passion. And after those summers washing and waxing boats, I I started to say, why not me? You know, and that was kind of my mantra. Why not me? So then when I got out of college and and, um, I decided to start my own business, I had the confidence to go out and do it. Now, wrapping up our throwback to some of the cool entrepreneurs on So Money is Josh Altman, the million-dollar listing Los Angeles star from the Bravo Network. I watched this show. I think for me, this is like... 
it just it's eye candy being able to see these beautiful homes in Los Angeles and then getting the behind the scenes. And apparently they filmed the show all year because that's kind of the only way you can see the beginning, middle and end of a home sale because sometimes home sales take that long. Now you watch the show and you also think that Josh Altman was just born into real estate and that he just has the DNA to sell. But the truth is he's an extremely hard worker and he has a mentality about how he got to where he is. He shares it in his new book, It's Your Move. And he also shares it with us in the interview. Take a listen. I'm an East Coast girl from actually Massachusetts too, like you. What made you want to go out to LA? Because it's such a difference out there. You know, the people, the culture, what made you want to go out there? Why not sell amazing homes uh, um, in the on the East Coast? There's a lot of beautiful properties here. Well, for me, it was uh, one, one of the reasons was because I wanted to be in business with my brother. Uh, it was really tight family that I grew up with, and Matt was out here, and so that's why we started the Altman Brothers. Um, and also, to be honest with you, I, I had lived in New York City for about a year and a half after I graduated Syracuse University, and for me, uh, I was always drawn out here because it's beautiful, the sun, the, the fancy cars, the, the nice big mansions with the beautiful lawns. It was a lot more for me that, that appealed as, as opposed to New York City. Although I read on, on bostonglobe.com, you said that the East Coast mentality is more aggressive. It's take no prisoners. And that actually was great that you were raised there because then going out to LA, it's allowed you to be very competitive. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I love the East Coast mentality, which a lot of my friends who are in New York and and Boston still have, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always tell them, I say it's so different out here. It's it's a great place to come out and and bring that aggressiveness. And you know, listen, that's that's kind of what helps us get to where we are today. Um, you know, you got to realize when I moved out to L.A., I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any money. My brother and I, we, we lived in a fraternity house on one of our friend's couches and we weren't even part of the fraternity. I couldn't afford a car and I rollerbladed to the mailroom every day, uh, to make $7 <laughs> an hour. So, I love you know, it. when you watch, yeah, when you watch the show, you're like, Oh, he's, he's, he probably had it handed to him or this mm-hmm. or that. And, and it's not, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book was, uh, not only to tell people my story, but also to, to teach people, uh, hopefully they learn from my experiences and my mistakes as well. Um, and, you know, working our way up and, and it, it's, it's a little bit of what people like to say, well, you just got lucky, but it's like what I like to say, which I talk about in my book, which is talking about calculated confidence and the ready fire aim mentality and, and choosing to be lucky. Uh, you know, there's a story that I talk about where I'm at a Starbucks and I meet a guy in line and I drive him to a house right after we're in line and I sell him a $12 million house. And a lot of people say, well, that's just lucky. That's just because you were in the right place at the right time. And the you truth dr- is, is, you this- drove him, you drove him to the house. Well, yeah, you know what? The, the truth is, is that I go to that same Starbucks every morning for one reason. It's not for the coffee. It's because I know the type of clientele that I'm trying to go after. And I know that all the rich people in Beverly Hills go there and all the celebrities go there. And so I'm putting myself in a situation where, where I choose to be lucky. It's not just random luck. I, I put myself in situations like that. So there are lots of stories and, and examples of how you can do that to in any business that you're in. And what I also like about your book is that while you are this real estate guru, it's not just for real estate entrepreneurs that you can actually 
take the steps and the secrets from this book and implement it into your own professional life, whether you are uh, an entrepreneur in real estate or, or elsewhere. What's one example of taking a risk with confidence as that's part of the subtitle of your book? One of the, what's one thing that people can implement perhaps even as soon as they get off this podcast? Yeah, so there's a story that I talk about in my book, which is uh, when I meet Tyler Perry at a gym at 7 a.m. in the morning, and uh, I go back and forth if I'm going to talk to him. You know, I'm a little nervous. He's, you know, a billionaire, but obviously an ideal client for me. Uh, and I say, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I go up. I talk to him. By 10 a.m., I'm, sh- I'm uh, showing his house. By 4 p.m., I got an offer. By 5 p.m., we have a deal for like $11 million on his house all in the same day. And, you know, people in in situations like that, majority of people will say, ah, forget it. I'm not going to do it. You know, I live by this mentality, which is this ready, fire, aim mentality, which is you got to realize when there's an opportunity in front of you, you have to capitalize on that opportunity. And if you mess up, that's okay. You just got to redirect and finish strong. Uh, and that's a perfect example of that in calculated confidence is I knew what I needed to do. I made sure that he knew what I do and that I'm very good at what I do. You believe in yourself. You trust your gut and don't second guess yourself and do it. And that's a lot of what I talk about in the book and a lot of examples like that on how you too can be that way. How did you break the ice with Tyler? <laughs> well, what did you I definitely say? Told him, I told him I know where he lives, so that was a little weird. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then I said, no, no, it's, I know where everybody lives. It's my job. I deal in high-end real estate. This is what I do. I, I know your house is a beautiful house. I have lots of clients. I would love to see it. Uh, is there any chance you'd be thinking of selling for the right price? And, and, but it wasn't just saying it. It was saying it with confidence and then allowing him to, to understand that I'm just not some ra- random fan at the gym who's coming up to him that, that I mean business. Talk about chutzpah, right? That's Josh Altman. You don't become successful without taking chances, even when you're at the gym. (laughs) Gotta love that. And that's our wrap, everyone. If you have plans to start a business in 2016, you're going to want to stay here with this podcast, with this show. We have some fascinating entrepreneurs lined up in the new year, including fashion mogul Rebecca Minkoff. And remember, you can grab the full episodes and all the transcripts for these excerpts at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question for the Friday episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money.